Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer, with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice of Above the Law, and with me, oh, He's going to jump in on his own. We're actually in our office. Like, we not are. the crappy conference room, but like our actual like workspace. Yeah, this is our, our actual workspace. Soak it in, listeners. Uh, well, you can't. Uh, but it is nonetheless a workspace that we have all to ourselves because all of the other editors aren't here today. I'm going to take my pants off. This is awesome. Yeah. I mean, I figured I'm shocked they've been on this long. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, it, we're back. Uh we are doing our usual above the lawing thing. This is an exciting week for us. By the time people hear this, we'll have a law review winner, uh, which is our annual contest where schools send in their funny videos uh, and we judge them. Uh, always fun. Check that out. As one does. Yeah. Um, but I have something to grind my gears about today. Oh, do you now? As, as what I a often shot. do. So I just got back from San Francisco. Um, and I flew out there for the NALP conference. It's the National Association of Law Placement Conference. It's a very good conference. I've been writing posts about that. Um, but because it was San Francisco, I flew out with my family. I've got two young children. I've got a four-and-a-half-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. Um, I did not get beat up, beaten up by the flight attendants. Good right? job. Nobody challenged me to fight. As In fairness, it, dragging you through the through the aisles would have been difficult. They, 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 would, they would have had to commit to it. You They'd know have to saying? bite off a lot. That's biting off a lot more than they can chew. Um, but in case you didn't see, there was a family flying back. There was a woman flying back from San Francisco um, with two, I think, 16-month-olds. Um, and she was trying to get her stroller kind of through the plane, and somehow the flight attendant got pissy with her, grabbed the stroller, hit her in the face, almost hit her children, threatened other – another passenger was like, you shouldn't be doing that, bro. The flight attendant was like, come at me. And you know, it became another YouTube sensation. This is American as opposed to United, but they're all kind of crappy airline carriers. We flew JetBlue. But the thing, anyway, the thing that occurred to me as I was kind of thinking about my own horrible cross-country experience and watching this crying Argentinian mother, when I was a kid, parents got to board first. Parents with flying with small children got to board first, right up there with disabled people, which makes sense because when you have small children, you're basically disabled at that point, right? Like your, your, your ability to interact as an able-bodied person has been severely reduced by your urchins that you're trying to heard into the plane. It makes sense for parents to board first. You can kind of get all your crap onto the plane. You can get your kids on the plane and secured. Um, but that doesn't happen anymore at many airlines, in part because they've figured out how to monetize people's desires to get on the plane first, right? So now... Disabled people still have to board first because that's an actual regulation. Right. But then it's first class, and then super this class, and then people with points and upgrades, and then people who buy the uh, exit row seats because the airlines have also figured out how to monetize safety regulations. Right. And then parents have to board basically when the plane is already half full. I mean, it's still, but you still have courtesy parent boarding in a lot of airlines before general boarding. But because of all of these other special classes of of of, fl of passengers. Um, parents are boarding the plane when it's almost half full, which is terrible, which is how you get into situations where bags are flying and kids are almost getting hit in the face and whatever. It's, it's a classic situation where the market has figured out how to monetize something. 
Um, and I believe the federal government needs to come in and regulate that parents should be able to get on the goddamn plane first because they're traveling with their stupid children, right? Yeah. Now, on the other side, when the plane lands, I'm totally with the same rule being applied in the reverse that parents should be, you know, expected to um, deplane last. Let all the people, all the able-bodied pe- people, get off the plane, scurry off. Get to their baggage carousel and their Ubers and, and whatever, and parents should be able to, should get off the plane last, slowly marshaling their children and their and all their bags um, off the plane. What do you think? Well, I don't know about that last bit because I feel, from my perspective, I would think that parents who have to go to another terminal to connect to something are going to have a real bear of a time. So I would hate to have them be the last ones off because they have to actually move themselves to another terminal. Uh, sure, I actually didn't, I haven't encountered an airline that doesn't still let the small children board first, but you, you don't think I you wouldn't have, shock. I I'm wouldn't sure, be shocked. I'm sure you have. It's just, because yeah. they, they still get to board early. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying it used to be where they literally got to go on first along with actually disabled people, and now it's just early. It's a courtesy pre-board, but mm. after, again, all of these other classes of passengers have been able to get on the plane. Now, look, a lot of this, uh, I, I, I wrote a post about this on Above the Law, and, and I posted on Facebook, and, of course, I got the perfect troll, you know, mid-20s, white woman, no kids. I pay full price for my ticket. Why do I have to, you know, one of those people, and and because I have a lot of parents in my Facebook feed, they basically are in the process of eating her um, right now on my Facebook. So. Yeah, I just, no, I don't, I don't even understand why somebody would want to be on the plane first. I mean, that's, I, I want to be on the plane as moments before it closes as possible. I don't want to have to deal with everyone climbing over me or anything. I want to be the last one on and just go. Um, it just seems like that makes more sense. You realize sense. the plane can't leave until everybody is on it. Right. Right? This, uh, But no, she was making the argument that she paid full price and deserves equal access to the overhead bins and blah, 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 blah. She also made the, the frankly ridiculous point that par- she said something like, Parents with well-behaved children don't need to bring a lot of bags on the plane, which is just is a thing that sounds ludicrous. You would say perhaps if you've never had children or dogs or any human empathy. Um, yeah, obviously, which I don't. But even I get that you might need them. Yeah, I mean, on our way out to San Francisco, um, we actually were sitting next to a next row um, of a of a family that clearly was the first time they had flown with the children and hadn't thought things through. So they didn't have a lot of bags. And of course their kid screamed and cried and whined the entire freaking flight until my wife, so sick of their kid, started like giving her our shit. Like just stuff that we had brought for our children that this family had not thought to bring for their three-year-old. We just started giving it to her so that she could have an opportunity to keep her kid calm. And it helped us for the rest of the flight. Now, now here's a tax that I think parents should have to pay for being on planes, but I think would be a reasonable one. I don't understand why we have the rules set up as we do, where you have to pay through the nose to check a bag, but to bring it on and create a problem for everyone else is free. Carry-on bags and access to the overhead bins, we should be making people pay for that convenience. 
Otherwise, you should check it. I think that would solve a lot of these problems because then nobody needs to, nobody gets to feel like I'm being excluded by boarding last because I'm not going to have overhead space. You don't want overhead space. Everyone wants to do the free thing, which is check it. Right. That would help a lot. And I, I promise you, the people who would end up paying more and, and mm -hmm. bringing less would actually be non-parents. Yeah. Because as a parent, you you understand how important it is. One of our legs during our flight, one of the one of the gate people was like, oh, do you want to check your diaper bag? No, ma'am. And nobody on the plane wants yeah. me to check the diaper bag. Better, better question. Do you want me to check this diaper bag? Anyway, so that's my new regulation of the week, but uh, yeah. we, we want to talk about something more legally related. Yeah, I mean, right, airline regulations are kind of the whole reason we're in this boat, uh, or the lack thereof. All right, well, we were going to talk legally about the police as a general matter, uh, and more, I guess it's more about their efforts to, we, we've talked over the years, obviously, both on in print and on the podcast about things that police have done that are bad, you know. But we want to talk about their efforts to be good and to show kind of uh, their their civic uh, civic helpfulness. Hashtag not all cops. And exactly, and I think I think I'll set the tone for this with a line from The Simpsons, as one does. There's an episode where Homer tries to be a good father and. The kids say to him, Dad, your half-assed over-parenting is way worse than your half-assed under-parenting. <laughs> that's, where, that's where I think we frame, we come out like framing this discussion a lot. You wanted to talk about the, uh, prom, the, the prom cop. Yeah, so making the rounds on the media right now, and, in, uh, and you might have seen a few different stories making the rounds, they're usually... They're usually couched in all sorts of, oh, isn't this adorable and great? But there are a couple stories right now about police taking time out of their busy day of fighting crime to abuse, to their, power. abuse their power to help out people going to prom. Uh, in one of the stories that's very prominent, a, a well, let me pull up the exact details. This is the, uh, the more minor one in my, my, my eyes, but... This is from uh, Massachusetts. A driver was pulled over by police, but the ticket he got was not from the officers conducting the traffic, traffic stop. Boxford police said a few officers volunteered Sunday to help with a promposal. The officers were attempting to pull over Eli, Jordan's potential date, but it turns out he was able to avoid the multiple traps along his usual driving route. They set roadblocks to get this kid to be stopped so that he could be surprised by his girlfriend with a, will you go to prom with me? Problems here. One, why are they doing this in the first place? But two, roadblocks. They're inconveniencing other people to do this. All right, whatever. Um, the, that She came in with a sign that said, the only ticket you will be getting is to prom. Aw. Yeah, screw this. Um, meanwhile... There's the drug bust one, right? Yeah, meanwhile in Georgia, it's so much worse. In Georgia, there's a video going around of this one. The, the cop pulls, them, pulls over a couple in a truck and literally runs them through a drug bust. The guy's in on it, but the woman is getting freaked out as it gets increasingly close to the level of we're going to have a video about them and a remembrance. Um... <laughs> The, he get, the guy gets put in handcuffs, the woman's freaking out, and then uh, it's, a, it's a weed thing, and then all of a sudden, he comes out with a 
prom. Say yes or you're under arrest. It, it, <sighs> do I need to point out that the, the couples in these situations were right? Like, is that, does that just go without saying? Uh, I thought it did go without saying, though we should probably point that out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this doesn't. This doesn't. This isn't a big deal in the black community to uh, have the cups. No, I, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't think stopping a couple uh, for a fake drug bust in the black community would be an appropriate way to ask a girl um, to prom or a guy to prom or a marriage proposal or really do anything other than make somebody pee in their fucking pants. Yeah. Right. Um, I had a situation um, here in New York City recently um, during the Neil Gorsuch uh, confirmation hearings. Um, I was listening to him in the car. I was driving into work, and uh, Lindsey Graham was was pontificating, and he says, "Lindsey Graham, I voted for both of Obama's Supreme Court nominees," and I just, you know, as one does, started screaming in my car. Three, three. Obama had three nominees. Yeah. So I'm at a stoplight. I, I don't know how I look, but I'm animated. Um, even though I'm performing for only myself. <laughs> um, there's a cop in the lane to my left, um, and the cop in the passenger side motions to me to roll down my window at the stoplight, which at, at which point my bowels um, yeah. start getting involved. Um, I was a little bit uh, okay. I was I was hoping for the best because the cop on the passenger side happened to be African American, so I was like, well, you know, maybe maybe he's only going to beat me, right? Like that's literally how my mind is working. So I roll down my window, and he just says. Brother, are you okay? Because <laughs> I was screaming to no one right in my car. Um, I was in fact okay, and then we, he he said, uh, "Good good luck getting to work," and I, I drove off. Um, I to to be a little bit more serious here. I think the 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 issue is that there is a level at which we do want police to be kind of positive people in our communities, um, white or black. We want to feel like we can interact comfortably um, with the cops, that they aren't this kind of paramilitary force of, of control and fear and danger. And so it's it's hard to, it's you wanna be, I don't wanna fully criticize some of these community efforts, right? Because this is part of, part of community policing involves being a part of the community. However, Yeah. Well, I mean, sure, that's that's like giving running a Toys for Tots program. This is actually utilizing the most extreme instances of the possibility of fear and violence. They're literally handcuffing people as part of a prank. That that doesn't see how that doesn't help the community outreach that in fact plays upon the way in which there's a community problem. Uh, it's when, funny because you're actually right. supposed to be terrified. Yeah, the the yeah, it kind of proves the point of what's going wrong here. Um, and it's not the first time that something like this has happened. The last year there was the story going around uh, around the holidays of police pulling people over and then giving them Christmas gifts. And, you know, it was all great, and people were smiling afterwards, most of whom were, I'm sure, the only videos where people thought this was funny. Uh, the ones where people didn't, I'm sure, didn't make it to the social media package. <laughs> but but the problem, and uh, Orrin Kerr made this point uh, at the time. He wrote an essay about this. The problem is all of these things violate the Fourth Amendment no matter what. <laughs> you... You don't like the. You're, you're saying the Fourth Amendment doesn't have a sense of humor. Yeah, the the <laughs> the, the whole prohibition on illegal searches and seizures don't have the J.K. exception. <laughs> you 
You don't get to utilize the power of the state to pull people over and they go, but don't worry, it's a good reason. <laughs> this is the, this is as we learned in the case of Superbad v. McLovin, right? Um, oh, that guy, <laughs> take a punch. <laughs> but yes, why is this happening? Part of the reason why this is happening is because there are police com- forces around the country that understand they have an image problem. Mm-hmm. But, Which is good. But here's, good to have. Right, here's the thing. It, it, People have been using the uh, oh, they're just some bad the bad apples analogy. Um, I think kind of completely wrong, right? People are saying they're just a bad app, they're just some bad apples as a way to say most cops are decent. A couple of cops shoot people for no reason. Those are some bad apples. The full saying is that a few bad apples spoils the bunch, right? Yeah. Spoils it, <laughs> not. Should be disregarded, not can be clear, clearly picked out and discarded, and then you can enjoy the rest of your bunch of apples. No, it spoils the whole freaking bunch, <laughs> right? So what what this what these things that we're seeing these stops these uh, these happy coincidence uh, uh, happy coincidence stops what they're really doing is trying to say no a few good apples <laughs> um, makes the whole bunch of rotten apples not taste so bad. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't work, just just to close that point, right? Which does not, which is not how the phrase works, not how the analogy works, and it's not how policing works, right? If you've got cops that are behaving poorly, it means all cops then could be behaving poorly, um, and you don't get to know which one you got when you get pulled over. You don't get to know if your drug stop is fake or not when you get pulled over. Right. Yeah, and and that's that's the crux of the problem here. The the way in which these efforts to show positivity are couched in, as we were just saying, the idea that the 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 joke is that like they don't they may not be positive. Uh, that is that is a problem. That is not helping your image problem. Uh, more toys for tots programs. More like just community mentoring things. More not doing things that are typically considered policing as an as a step toward outreach is the answer. So, Joe, as 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 a white as our resident white man on ATL, mm-hmm. um, really the only full time white male editor on the yeah. site. Um, how how do you how would you suggest handling it? How do you handle it, or would you handle it um, when if you are stopped without probable cause? Because what we're mm-hmm. jokes aside, what we're talking about are people being stopped without probable cause, and then the police saying, "Ha ha ha!" Here's your. Right. How do you? Regardless of whether or not the police are trying to like give you a pat on the back or hit you up on something illegal, how how would you advise handling it when you are stopped with in your mind clearly without PC? Well, so I'm going to actually pawn this off on somebody else uh, because I don't want to appear to be giving legal advice to anybody uh, who might be listening. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our our good friend friend of the podcast, the Texas Lawhawk, has some good videos about this <laughs> uh, about exactly what to do in the case of being pulled over that allow you to preserve all of your objections to the fact that it is a illegal stop without provoking the officer without trying to, you know, say, no, I'm not going to let you do that. You can say, well, I'm reserving this objection, but, uh, and they're humorous and excite, you know, they're about Santa Claus being pulled over and stuff. So they're, he, he makes a, he educates, educates while he has fun. Yeah. Santa Claus also white. Uh, obviously the, the, not in not in his video, I don't believe. Oh, really? He had like a Latino Santa Claus? I can't remember, but I don't think in the, that video. Well, oh, whatever. We need to check out the Texas, Texas Lawhawk. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, look, as a minority in this country, my 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 options are limited, right? The the there the there there's a time and a place for um, combating police brutality and excess. And for me, that time and a place is when I'm sitting in the comfort of my own home with my own keyboard, um, writing posts upon the law. Yeah. Um, in the actual streets, I you know my only option is to be as docile and non-threatening as I can possibly imagine. Um, being and just res- reserve any objection um, for mm-hmm. some kind of later date when I'm not uh, kind of in danger. Yeah, I, I got to treat it. It's the I, I, I know for for some white people this is going to sound like I'm exaggerating. I am not. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to treat the police in the same way that I would treat a mugger. Here, here's my wallet. Here's my keys. Take whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Just don't hurt me. Like that. That that is literally the only kind of safe and acceptable uh, way to, to interact with police officers. Where I get into a little bit more, uh, trouble is not the right word, but the closer cases for me is when I'm not even stopped, right? So like it, it's the guy, uh, you know, it's the cop in the other lane, right? When I'm wa- Or it's when I'm walking through Grand Central and there's an officer there and he says hello to me. Like, w- the closer cases for me are when I am clearly not involved in a custodial stop, mm-hmm. when I am clearly free to go, um, basically, just how polite I'm supposed to be <laughs> to police officers. I mean, it's a it's a question, right? How jokey I'm supposed to be in San Francisco? Um, uh, I'll end where we started. Um, we're on the we're on the trolley thingy, and an officer gets on. I remember I've got my two kids with with me, and the officer has like a star, you know, a San, F, a San Francisco PD star sticker, and he gives it to my son. And he plants it right on um, on my kid's uh, Spider-Man baseball cap. And I kid's, oh, thank you, officer. And I'm like, I'm sitting there just like, I don't like any of this. Though, in fairness, that is the kind of good community outreach we were talking about. It was not playing on the fact that I could, you know, put you in handcuffs. Right. It was just, here's a sticker, right? It's, yeah. But as a parent, you're also kind of sitting there, and, you, and you, I don't want my kid to read how massively uncomfortable I am, because you want your four-year-old to grow up with a somewhat positive view of the police. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of both sitting there thinking, like, I don't like this. I certainly don't want him, like, I, I later kind of surreptitiously took the sticker off. I certainly wasn't going to let him just walk around San Francisco with a goddamn police sticker on his hat. But, you know, in real time, I, was, I had to also be like, thank you, officer. Uh, and and when the guy got off the trolley, be like, oh, wasn't it cool how the nice policeman gave you a sticker as a member of the state? Yay. Part, like, it... it all of these things are, are going on in my mind. So, it, 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 I you understand why you exactly as you say, the police have an image problem, and it's good for them to know that, and it's good for them to try to think creatively through how to work on their image problem. But but man, it can <laughs> it, it it can still be very scary. Um, when you actually have to interact with the police, even if they're trying to be nice. I want to go back to the Massachusetts story because I want to read the end of this article from WCVB um, just to add more. The end of this article notes, police said besides playing Cupid, they are also available for birthday parties, photo shoots, and donut tastings. One, obviously donut tastings. Two, (laughs) their, their point is they could do this same harass people into being terrified for their well-being for other things which which is nice i mean it's nice like i mean you have to get out there like if you're a if you're a musician you have to play weddings and bar mitzvahs too and apparently 
there's just not enough crime in Massachusetts that they they can do this for for everybody. Can you imagine if somebody? I mean, I, was it you? It was either you or Brandon who was joking about this um, recently about uh, me. I, I have occasionally I have. There's a person named Brandon who he knows. Oh, sorry. Like, <laughs> you know, whatever. Go on. Um, I, I have I occasionally have barbecues uh, at my house in Westchester, and one of you guys was was joking about how because I said you know invite whoever you want, and one of you guys said oh so I'll invite my friend the cops, and I was like well, well that was well, not no. me no no that's don't invite them, and it was it was obviously a joke, but you know the can you imagine somebody jokingly inviting a police officer to, to my do a house drug bust for. Surprise! Surprise! You're not actually. Listen, the only way that there can be the threat of imminent arrest as a surprise is if it is in fact a stripper at the end. Like I think that that one has reached a point where we've seen it on. We've seen enough that one. That one we get. Uh, un- as long as these folks aren't prepared to do that, and I guess maybe there's more to this Massachusetts story. I don't know, but if they're not prepared to do that, I don't think that uh, they can get away with it. Only for the. They're only going to strip for the donuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that that was that was a, a fun discussion. Um, well, not really. Um, kind of sad. Oh, you were gonna say something about uh, about the America's shining hope for the future and bridging all of these gaps. Oh yes, which I, is Pepsi Cola. I was I was gonna say that that all of this discussion um, is kind of how we end up with the Pepsi commercial, right? With the with the uh, with the belief and the feeling that the police are really good guys, and if you just gave them a Pepsi, they wouldn't tear gas you during your protest, right? Like the the logic of the Pepsi commercial, while horrifying uh, to many in the media who who, who saw it, um, there was a logic there that Pepsi had that wasn't that didn't come out of uh, out of nowhere, um, and that's what they were trying to to push. Yeah. And apparently, I, I, uh, our, our, our co-editor, Catherine, because I don't want to just name drop people without giving their title anymore, yeah, yeah. Um, showed me a stat where it was something like 75% of Latinos and 50% of blacks didn't find that Pepsi commercial offensive. And so that a lot of the reaction to that was kind of in a media uh, Bubble, cal- cauldron, um, which I, under- I understood. I, I understand 50% w- w- uh, of the black community. Uh, black community doesn't speak with one voice. 75% of Latinos, that was surprising to me. Mm. And that there was also like some not insignificant percent who felt that the commercial improved their belief, their 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 view of the police. I mean, um, which again, this which is what we're talking about with this image thing, right? It, it, there there are people who who think that the only problem with police is that we don't give them enough hugs or Pepsis or jokey or Fourth yeah. Amendment violations. I mean, I, I, yeah. Look, I think what this said more about was the, the terror of, to our society that is any member of the Kardashian clan. <laughs> I mean, the the fact that any of them can show up and warp, uh, warp a narrative like that is more terrifying to me than anything else we've discussed today. Many people who read my article said that that was the first time they were able to distinguish Kendall from Kylie. Oh, well, there you go. So, I mean, I don't know the difference, but. I, I do work. Yeah, I mean, they. I. I've never. I've never delved into trying to figure out the difference, um, which I think make. I, I. think I'm a better person for it, that. It does make you a good person. Okay. Yeah. Oh well, I don't know about that. I'll quote you on that. Totally out of context later. Um, anyway, so thanks for listening, everybody. We're. Uh, you know, we do this every couple of weeks. You should be subscribed so that you get every episode as soon as it comes out. Download it onto your 
device that you listen to things through. You should also give us reviews, not just the stars, but actually write, like, Joe and Ellie are super cool on our, uh, wherever you're downloading it, because it helps, it goes into the algorithm that puts us a little bit higher up on the searches when people say, well, I want to listen to a law podcast, and they end up listening to us then. Uh, you can download the... Which is not what they were looking for. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> which I'm, I'm assuming that's not what they came for. If they did, they'd come directly to us, so we want to be found. Uh, the Legal Talk Network app has all of our sister podcasts on it, so you can listen to all of those. And uh, yeah, uh, Twitter, you're at L-E-N-Y-C. I'm at Joseph Patrice. That's it. Read Above the Law and listen to this, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Catch you next time. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.